what I found is that I really liked consulting with clients and wanted to be able to do that more. And that meant just making sure that we really systematized the way we were running our projects internally so that I would have the capacity to interface more with clients and provide services at a different level. You're listening to the No BS Agency Podcast. We talk strategies that can take your one to two person branding agency from $5,000 to $30,000 per month without hiring employees or working your ass off. All you have to do is cut the BS. I am Pia Silva. I'm so excited to welcome a very special guest to the podcast today, Amanda Dollar. Amanda is the founder and CEO of Outspoke Design, which creates gorgeous event branding to delight attendees at every touchpoint without the production headache. I started working with Amanda before I even launched No BS Agency Mastery, and she was one of the first people to join us inside the program. Using our methods, she doubled her business's revenue while having her working hours. Now she runs her business with the support of a project manager and outsourced design team in fewer than 10 hours a week, which means she is available to help me grow the No BS Agency program as head of product and operations. I loved watching Amanda level up month after month working with her and seeing her make incredible breakthroughs that had a tremendous effect on both her revenue and her income and also her lifestyle and how she ran her business. I knew she was the perfect person to come help me scale the No BS Agency Mastery Program because she has intimate insider knowledge into not just my process, but what it's like to actually learn such a different process and apply it to an existing business. I love how this woman's brain works, and I'm excited to share her story with you. Without further ado, here's my interview with Amanda. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Pia. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you about all of these things. It's been such a delight to be on this business journey with you. As I alluded to, you are not just running your business anymore. You're helping me grow this business. So obviously, we have kind of an intimate relationship at this point. I wanted to bring you on the show because before you joined our team, I watched you just take your business and skyrocket with it over a, about a year and a half, almost two years, and it was pretty incredible. And I really wanted to ha- share with our audience what that transformation looked like because, quite frankly, when you came in from the outside, you seemed pretty successful in so many ways, and yet the transformation has been pretty amazing. So why don't we start there? Why don't we back up and talk about, oh my gosh, what was it? End of 2020, that crazy year. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> that crazy. Year. Um, because that's about when we started working together, it was December of 2020. Tell me a little bit about what your business looked like then. So, obviously, we do a lot of work with events and big events. So, when COVID hit us, it hit us hard. We lost like 30% of our planned revenue uh, overnight. I had been building that business for five, six years. I have a lot of contacts in my network. Uh, who are event producers, who are certified meeting planners. And, you know, we always worked on these things together and everybody was out of work. Like nobody had any jobs. Towards the end of the year, we started, we finally had gotten our virtual thing together. So most of our business we were able to then put on basically virtually. But the workload with that just like 5 x because it was so new at the time and mm-hmm. so difficult to do. Um, that 
was really struggling to keep up and finding myself for the first time in my life. This was 2020 was my daughter was born at the at, in December of 2019. So we also had a one-year-old at home, no access to family and friends since both of our families are outside of the country um, and Canada locked its borders. Anyways, it's the year from hell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, my, my business looked like uh, something that I no longer wanted to run. I thought I'm going to just quit. I'm so burnt out. But at the same time, I didn't want to go back to a job. So I needed to find a way to make it work. Uh, without production basically taking over my life. And that's when Pia basically had a conversation with me saying, your business is in such an exciting position right now. I know you can't see it, but just trust me and we'll get there. Yes, I, I, I imagine that I did say that to you because you were really busy with clients. You were actually working all the time and you were getting paid really well. I mean, you're making a decent living. Was that right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And how were you charging them at that point? It was hourly, mm -hmm. but I worked a lot of hours. Mm -hmm. So um, between 80 to $125 an hour is generally what I was charging. Okay. Um, and I didn't have anybody working with me at the time. It was just, it was just okay. me. Got it. So you're basically filling your time with paid clients and you were pretty maxed out. Not to mention the, yeah. the one-year-old. Like, like 50 hours a week billing. 50 yes. hours yes. a week and billing. Okay. So week everyone week can do yeah. the math. Amanda was doing uh, doing well financially, but she was totally burnt out. When we first started working together, what were some of the uh, the changes that I was starting to suggest that I know you had some resistance to? <laughs> I mean, I think the the biggest one that moved the needle for me, and it's so interesting because your model is grow your business without employees, but like I needed to hire in order to have space to implement. I and I was like, no, I can't afford to hire anyone because I need all this money because my life is expensive. Um, I remember saying that I didn't want to hire because I didn't feel like they would be able to do the first draft. Like the first draft is still going to fall on me and it's going to be the hardest. And you're like, well, why can't they do the first draft? I thought, uh, I don't, maybe they, uh, I don't know. Why can't they? <laughs> Just just to challenge me on that. And in the next week, I had them do a first draft and I was like, okay, I'm not looking back. This This looks pretty good. So- what was that person, what was that position that you that you first hired to get some stuff off of your plate? So I first hired a design subcontractor. So basically a junior graphic designer. Oftentimes we were working on really large presentation mm -hmm. decks, uh, which just requires a lot of time to, you know, execute all of these slides. And we didn't quite have all of the tools that we have today to, make, to speed that process up. Um, and I realized I could design two or three slides in the style that I wanted and they could replicate it. And so that's what we started doing. So a production designer, somebody to take stuff off your plate. I don't want to say a glorified yep. VA, but I think of a VA or a production designer as filling similar roles. It's like they're not doing the high level mm -hmm. work. They're not doing the conceptual work, but they're coming in and doing mm -hmm. that time consuming work that, that is not, does yep. not make sense for your time. And actually, that's a really great point, because I did have a VA as well at mm -hmm. this point who had basically just taken over revisions from clients for me. So we would do the first pass on everything. Um, and clients would, you know, need revisions, need back and forth, let's get this right. Um, I, the first thing I did was to remove myself from that revision process completely, and said, Okay, if they're going to have revisions, and it's going to run like this, then you're going to work with my assistant who will take it over the finish line for you and just take that out of my time so that I could be a little bit more intentional with my schedule. I want to pause right here and point something out. 
uh, the step of starting to hire support to free up some of your time to do some of the business building work, we're going to talk about this in a second, requires having more work than you can handle. And that's really the position that Amanda was in at that point. Billing 50 hours a week means you have more work than you can handle and it makes sense to invest in that. Something I find some people do is they are not billing at 50 hours a week. You know, they're working 50 hours a week plus, but they're not necessarily billing at that capacity and they don't have enough of the work in order for it to make sense to hire that support. So I just want to um, point that out to the listeners because when there is a time and a place to get that support work um, inside No BS, we're huge proponents of getting production design help, um, outsourced help from a VA, full-time or part-time, any way that we can free up your time. But that's not the same thing as hiring an employee to to do the work while you're the CEO, which is, you know, most of the people I work with, they want to actually do the creative work. They just don't want to do the grunt work. Fair to say? Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So you freed up some of your time. What was the next uh, strategy that you started to implement or the next couple of things that you started to implement? Outreach. Warm outreach with my network. It could be that it was like post-COVID and just like, I'm a social person. I like people um, and I like connecting with people and I have a great network and I feel like, I feel like most of my clients are our friends or close to friends are people that I enjoy collaborating with, um, people who make my creative process better because I'm more excited to work with them. It's it's a dream situation. And so really, at that point, I just started having outreach with my warm network, letting them know that we had kind of changed the way that we were doing our services and just looking to connect and, and reconnect and find out what they're doing now. Uh, a lot of people had shifts over, over the break. And lo and behold, after... Uh, after about four calls with my network, I had a new Ideal Fit project land in my lap from uh, a close contact in my network. So, and you guys, if you want to hear more about how she does that outreach and thinks about it, um, we did a great episode a month or two back about that. So go, uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. But what I want to hone in on here is you were reaching out to them and you're saying, hey, we're doing things a little bit differently now. What was that difference? I was not taking regular clients anymore. I am taking... Uh, scoped projects, right? Mm. So um, I think... What's regular? Explain regular. Regular is, oh, we need the graphic design support for, mm-hmm. you know, for our business, for our team, for whatever, and specifically presentation design because it was high, it was a highly referable service because it's very specific. It kind yeah. of involves both copy and strategy and, and mm-hmm. design. And so finding someone who had all of those things, like I just got an email yesterday from like an old person in my network saying like, we have this four to five hour lecture that we're looking for someone to design. Can you please hop on? And I'm like, I'm not doing that kind of work anymore. <laughs> right. So Production design and ongoing hourly work where it's not scoped out and you're just kind of handed work and That's you're doing right. it on the fly. And yep. and my observation of your business and other people who are working like that is that's what gets you into that. I'm just working all the time because work is – and I feel like I'm working all the time, right? Yep. I mean, how does it – what is life like when you've got this ongoing work from a couple of different clients? Yeah, you can never go on vacation. You can never kind of step – because something might come in the door. You can – plan your week, but you know, 30 to 40% is going to come in during the week. That's going to be expected to go out during the week. It's very stressful. It's like having a job uh, with none of the benefits. And so (laughs) the way we were talking about doing services is that I would need to be, first of all, uh, doing the branding up front. So whether it was a a course 
or um, a program or something like that, I would be doing the brand upfront. That's uh, an essential part, or it involves some kind of launch, right? So we also have um, production processes and flows that we had built around launches to be able to provide launch support that we developed because of the whole virtual thing and just needing to be able to keep track of stuff. Uh, So those were the two major things. But adding those to our services allowed me to charge like five times more than I was charging before per project and have an end date, uh, which was not something we were ever able to do before. Gotcha. So that was the really big shift going from, sure, we'll work on whatever you need whenever you need it to, I'm going to scope out projects. We have a couple of focuses. There is a beginning and an end and there's a, there's a flat fee on it. That's right. But that, which was terrifying. Yeah. Which Which was was terrifying. Tell me, I remember resistance. (laughs) I remember resistance. Like I think, I mean, I don't know why it's in my head, but I remember it being like around April of 2021. You're trying to price a package, and I feel like I feel like eight thousand. Like eight thousand. I remember numbers when they mm-hmm. mean something to me. I remember you being like, "I don't know if I can charge eight thousand dollars for this." Yeah, I know. And then I was charging thirty by the fall. <laughs> and then you were charging thirty by the fall. You had been getting paid that much, but for some reason, putting a flat fee on it. What was the yeah. What was the fear? The fear. I don't know. It's hard because I've shifted now. It's hard to see what the the fear used to be. Um, I think probably it was just um, a lack of confidence in my ability to deliver in the time frame. And even if the consequence of that is okay, I am less profitable. It's not the end of the world. Now I look at things. I look at my production management and I look at my production skills as being much stronger than my clients. And so when I, you know, when I promise the thing without the production headache, I know that all of that profitability is is mine and deserved. And my clients are grateful to be able to pay that because they don't have to deal with it. And I think that that makes, that also makes it easier to charge because I feel more, I feel more deserving of the value. And I also see how my clients appreciate it more. Mm. So, what I hear you saying is it took you a little bit of time to really own confidently the value you were charging disconnected from the time that you were yeah. spending. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of those shifts had to happen naturally when I uh, when I brought on team, right? Because now I'm no longer the one doing the work. So now I kind of feel like I'm not valuable at all. But actually, I am. <laughs> <laughs> You are. And that's what they're paying for. They're paying for the trust that they have in you, Amanda. And who cares who does the production of it? Ultimately, yep. we're, we're hiring Amanda and all of the trust that she's built with us. Yep. Um, tell me a little bit about implementing the lead product process. And what was that like? Uh, the lead product process was actually a natural fit with my client's Generally, we had great relationships with clients, but as soon as I transitioned into, we are definitely doing the brand or the launch of your thing, mm-hmm. we needed to map out a lot more uh, strategic questions up front. And so doing the lead product process uh, was a natural fit. Clients actually loved it. I thought they're going to think that it's a waste of time. And then I would get comments like, that really got us thinking about a lot of things we've never thought about before. And that was so interesting to be able to talk about those with you. And so I found it valuable um, just in that sense. Now, uh, depending on the size of the project, our our lead product is maybe not as robust as it needs to be because we have a lot of clients who are, are repeats. And so we know and understand their business, but we still need to do a bit of um, scoping around 
around the, the front of the project. For me, the time that I spend with my clients is is FaceTime mostly. Mm-hmm. It's talking about their stuff. It's moving their stuff forward. It's lead products. I love lead products. If I had a business where I could just be doing lead product interviews and, and writing briefs, like that, you know, that's ideal to me. And so, um, yeah, it's a really quintessential part of the process. What do you like about it so much? It positions me as the authority in the start of the process. So it's especially great for new clients. Um, now, we don't get new clients outside of referrals right now, but uh, so they're already kind of coming in with a high degree of trust. But otherwise, you cannot be an effective designer because the client is trying to give you design direction. You have to step up in the front and take the reins on being the person that's going to be providing the, the direction. And that all happens in the, in the lead product interview. Mm, I love that. So let's take us back to that first year. We went from we went from charging hourly, working all the time, to packaging your services and kind of tentatively, hesitantly charging like eight grand for one of these services to a few months later charging 30 grand and above. What did that next year look like? What kind of offers were you making in that second half of the year? So a lot of when things were launching, at the end of a launch, we would usually be bringing in. So for one of my clients, we ran two launches for them. Um, we launched um, a, a board training program. We launched it first for free, and then we started charging. Um, the program has now, in less in less than, I guess, a little over a year, has earned more than half a million in revenue for the organization because it's been so popular and in demand and created such natural flywheel effects within the student body that they continue to get more than 50% of the people in the program referred by previous students. And so um, part of building all of that for, um, for branding and launching that program was making sure that they had the team internally to run it and then just come back uh, to me for some consultation when they, they want to shift or improve things. What it brought into my business was like a lot more profit than I had ever seen before, which brought me available time to focus and on and doing other things. And what I found is that I really liked um, the consulting with clients and wanted to be able to do that more. And that meant just making sure that we really systematized the way we were running our projects um, internally so that I would have the capacity to interface more with clients and provide services at a different level. I wasn't expecting that at all in, you know, the part of my journey, but what happens when you create that space of time is that you, you know, you find extra desire to, to do other things. And so I guess I realized that pretty quickly. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit more about the profitability? How did your profitability change so drastically? I cl- like I claimed in profit last year more than double the year before. And so that in was profit, um, not in revenue. In, in profit, profit yeah. not in revenue. Yeah. Yes, revenue is doubled too, but profit doubled too. Yeah. So I stopped like the I don't know at what point I stopped trading time for dollars, but when I did I naturally focused on the things that were more high value uh, and that really like stopped trying to fill my time and instead, you know, focused on where I felt most compelled to, to add value. Like the profitability made that possible, but then also doing that brought more profitability, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. So you freed up time, your offers became more profitable, that freed up more time, and that time allows you to keep feeding this cycle 
of looking for the more profitable uh, stuff. Do you mind sharing with us what your monthly average revenue was before we started working together and last year? Yeah. So before we started working together, it would be 10 to 15K Mm -hmm. a month. Uh, And last year was consistently, it was like 29 Eight, seven, three, or something was the monthly average, but we has, uh, had hit 30K months basically uh, over the course of the year. Amazing. And what was your highest grossing month last year? Last year, we had a 90K month. A 90K month. Now, that was, that was basically booking four months of work, but at the same time, it all came in one month. And so that uh, when you're not used to those flows, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that because I want everyone to really hear this. Uh, Amanda averaged $30,000 a month last year, but it didn't come in exactly $30,000 a month. If for her to have an average of 30K a month and have one of those months be 90K, it means that certain months were a lot lower than 30K, but it doesn't matter because over the course of a year, that's $360,000. I just want everyone to hear that because I talk a lot. Maybe I don't. I talk a lot inside, uh, master in the mastery program about the importance of not getting so bogged down on the month to month basis. Because when we're selling these super high profit packages, some of your months are going to be amazing. And that necessarily means other months you're going to be either delivering the work or you're going to be working on your business or whatever it is. And it's going to go up and down and that's okay. What we're looking for is that annual revenue and, to Amanda's earlier point, she doubled her revenue and her profit and still had months that were lower than the average. That's how And more free work. time than I had ever had that I started just inventing things. <laughs> right, right. Well, there's a difference between making free time and taking it and making free time and then just filling it with more projects. I know That's you right. and I are similar in that way. As soon as we have uh, an extra week a month, it's like, cool, what's the new thing I'm going to do? Or how am I going to double down on this? Um, in order to deliver that work for that business about how many hours a week were you working for your business for your clients or a month yeah so last year we were 20 to 30 hours a week 20 to 30 hours a week yep so that is kind of exactly the freedom calculator right it's hitting that number that revenue number that you're looking for i like to say good better best whatever revenue you're going for working with clients 20 hours a week on average your price for freedom amanda what can i say <laughs> I have learned to love the freedom calculator. <laughs> I love the freedom calculator. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your experience in in mastery. I mean, you've been in it since the beginning. You know, you've seen all the warts and all. Now you're behind the scenes, so you see the real warts behind what it takes to really keep this community up and lifted and and running all the things. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience as a as a student first. Like, what were your what were the most valuable parts for you? The mindset shifts that continually happened just by showing up and hearing Pia talk. So I want to say that like, I have worked with a lot of leaders, I've worked with a lot of high profile people, but Pia is one of the most, I mean, I wouldn't say this if I didn't really believe it, is one of the most strategic minds in business that I've ever come across. She has a unique way of looking at your problems, providing like coach salting. It is a little bit of like, you know, you can do it and here's what you need to do. And every single step I took that was uncomfortable was a bit of a leap of faith, but I trusted myself and I trusted Pia. Every time I did, it was like a new mindset shift. It was like, 
next level unlocked, you know, and then continuing to to integrate that uh, in in my business and who I am and growing from that. Um, I mean, I have just as a person grown a tremendous amount through my experience in the OBS agency program. On top of all of that, my friends, my connections, like I said before, I'm a person who likes people. And I am so grateful for my peers in OBS agency mastery and seeing them succeed because that's an incredible feeling. Um, so much to celebrate all the time. And you know what, when things are hard too, it's really great to have people who get it. And, uh, you know, we say often like entrepreneurship's a lonely journey when you're building something of one and having access to that kind of community made all the difference for me to be able to up level. And I was in masterminds before, but none ever as effective as as this one as Novia's Agency Mastery. Thank you, Amanda. That's so heartwarming to hear and makes me so happy. And also uh, part of the reason that Amanda kind of helped came and joined forces with us inside No BS Agency Masters because she really took you, I'm talking, I'm, you're here. You really took all of these ideas and lessons and implemented them even when they were hard, even when you had to overcome some mindset stuckness. And that is kind of, you know, there is no one way or right way to do this, but I would say a theme of the people who really do well in this program and, you know, Correct me if I'm, if you disagree. I think a major theme is that they're, they're willing to try it anyway, or they're willing to say, this is really hard, or I don't want to do this, but then they, then they do it. And I don't know how many times people post in our community or come on the calls and say, like, I didn't want to do that thing because it was uncomfortable, but I did it anyway. And here's the result I got. And it feels so good. And that kind of win feels even better than when you do something that you were kind of okay doing. Don't you think? Like, it's like that feeling yeah. of overcoming something or yeah. getting past that, that stuckness. Yeah. It just builds strength for the next step. And it really is. And I have this, I have this decal in, in my office, which is, is a mountain summit. And it's a reminder that you can't see how high the next summit is until you get on top of the one in front of you. Mm. And so I am always just, you know, embracing that growth and like feeling the lessons um, and, you know, not enjoying the discomfort because you know what, it is still uncomfortable, but knowing that on the other side is the reward. And Yes. Yeah. Becoming completely and wholly growth-minded through this experience. Growth-minded. That's a great way to put it. And that's something that we're trying to foster every time we meet is fostering that growth mindset because that's really what's going to keep you going building a business on your own. Like being a business owner means that you have to keep your eye on the prize and understand that there's a long game here, that there's like a long-term result and that the things that are happening day to day or month to month, they're all in service of that long-term result. And yes, you got to stay focused on the things you're doing every day and every week, but you can't get bogged down by what's happening day to day. You've got to keep mm -hmm. zooming out and having perspective about the big picture. Again, some people, I, we have, I mean, <laughs> just talking to somebody recently, having like their best month ever. And the thought is, yeah, but my next month is not nearly as good. And so now I feel like I've, it's never going to happen again. Right. As we just heard from Amanda going from, you know, a $30,000 month to a $90,000 month to less than a $30,000 month. That is a roller coaster that you've got to be able to manage and, yeah. and feel through. 
And that perspective, I think, is so important. I value our community for that perspective. I need that perspective reminder all the time too, right? I'm also a business, (laughs) I am running this business too. And like staying out of the weeds of the day-to-day is so uh, valuable. And I just feel like community helps me so much with that Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, it's really, it was difficult at the end of last year to look at our numbers and feel like still, I was like, I'm still anxious. <laughs> I'm still like, I still Best feel forever. I, I still feel anxious, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, and, and, you know, and realizing that feeling and then like, oh, this is, this is what the work is. Um, the work is not, you know, hitting the goal. The work is achieving the goal and being okay with it and, mm. um, and feeling, yeah, I guess feeling all of the stuff that, that comes up with that. So, um, I'm really fortunate that my partner is like extremely mindful and has done all these like 10 day meditation retreats, like silent retreats. And I feel like I'm always coming to her with the things that are coming up. And it really always just comes back to, you know, the the story that you're telling yourself and just trying to trying to live with the roller coaster, I guess. Yeah. And that's so true. And that's something I think that's particularly challenging for the people in our industry, right? So we help one to two person branding agencies. And as you just heard, branding agency can mean, you know, most of the people in our program, they are doing some combination of brand strategy, messaging strategy, probably visual identity design, probably designing and building a website, some combination of all of those things. Um, but there are applications of branding where all the things still apply. Amanda is basically branding events and then creating all of the collateral for it. So it's just a different approach, but the, but the core thing is the same. You're showing up and you're helping determine the strategy for clients who might not even know what that means, but it allows you to really uh, execute at a very high level an entire project in a much shorter uh, and more concentrated amount of time. And I just wanted to point that out because there are so many different ways that this can apply. And the whole point is, how do you apply it to your situation? How do you shrink the time that you spend, increase the value, and increase the profitability? Well, What I heard from you, Amanda, is continually focusing on mindset and having that growth mindset, um, continuously showing up and working through some of those stuckness. What else would you say are some of the biggest aha moments or, or moments of clarity that you've had through this process that might help our listeners who are wanting to go to the next step in their business, but for some reason they're scared or they're not quite sure if it's like for them? I think that there's no one right way to do it either. And I think that um, when handed the when handed the path and the step by step process, it's still going to be stronger when you apply it for your specific situation for your types of clients for your type of leadership. Uh, A lot of what we do within no BS agency mastery is about building that trusting relationship between you and your clients so that your clients see you as the expert. And there are different ways to show up as the expert. And so I think that, you know, just knowing that there isn't one right way to do things and not beating yourself up about where you are in the process uh, and really just embracing the journey is it makes such a big difference because I also am going to continually feel like it's not enough. I'm not moving hard enough um, or fast enough. 
But when I actually relax Guilty. into the process, <laughs> I get much better results. Um, yeah. It's like it's like taking adequate amounts of vacation and coming back and feeling well rested. When you really just embrace the process and the messiness that it is right now, you are going to have more. You're going to have smarter solutions to your problems because you're not getting all trapped up in your head, and it it creates better results. So really just embracing that it's a journey uh, and that there's no one right way to do this. Okay. So I love that you said that. It's something that we try to hammer home inside the program too, right? Because here I am teaching you a super specific step-by-step process. I'm giving you the templates. I'm giving you the like all the frameworks so that you can plug it into your business. And we're always telling people like, but the point is for you to do all of this and then find the nuances and the ways that it applies perfectly to your business and make it your own. Um, we had a student recently say, you know what? I don't know exactly how she phrased it, but she was like, I figured out what my intensive model is and it's not an intensive. What it is, is I do intensives with people, but then I coach them in between. And I said, yeah, that's, that's exactly, <laughs> that's your intensives model, right? Like the point is not that you do it exactly the way that we do it. The point is that you take the principles of how we do it and you apply it to what makes sense for you to deliver that high value. And all I want is for you to make more money in less time and deliver more value. If those three things are happening, it really doesn't matter how you're delivering it. I just know that hourly is is not really going to get you. It's not going to get you there because most people, unless you are a celebrity, can't charge a thousand dollars an hour yeah. for a project. But if you charge based on value and if you charge based on a project rate, you can get paid a thousand dollars an hour or more because of that, that value. So, uh, knowing that there's no run right way, uh, what would you say to somebody who is like, yeah, but I don't want to have to figure this out myself. Like I want someone to show me the way. Well, all the more reason to be joining us inside No BS Ma- Agency Mastery because not only do you have access to like, Pia, who has built the roadmap and the model for you just to implement, you have the support of your peers as well, who have already figured out their nuances, who are further along in this journey, uh, and who can be there just as a sounding board for your ideas, but also, you know, to provide their own experiences and what they've developed uh, that have worked for clients. We had a great instance recently of someone in the community who uh, who started taking payment for lead products in the Fit Call interview, and that like sharing that experience also was able to um, move others. It was a domino forward. effect. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good point. And also watching how other people have applied this to their business and hearing how they've altered it to make sense for them has been so valuable for other people I've watched because, you know, Steve and I, we do everything in-house. Um, so that's one way that you can do it. And I'll show you how to do that. Um, that we have a lot of people who they do it more like Amanda, right? So it's like, okay, I do all the strategic work and the basically creative directing work, but I outsource the the production and maybe even some of the ideation to other people. Well, how does that work and how does that process work and how can I still shrink it down to a profitable intensive model so it doesn't go on forever and I'm only working with one client at a time while still maintaining having like other people working for me. There are so many different ways to do this and being able to see into Erica's business, Sarah's business, um, you know, every David's business, like every person is bringing a slightly different set of skills and level of skills 
and experience working with other people to the table. So they all have these really interesting ways of taking this process and applying it to themselves. And you're right. I've learned so much from the people in our community and how they've applied this stuff to their businesses. Um, it's been actually quite fascinating. And, and it's also allowed me to see that it really isn't about, you know, I think in the beginning I was like, here's how we do it. Do it this way. <laughs> right? I was like, I know this works. Like, just do it this way. Uh, definitely and with the scripts. You definitely, <laughs> it is in your interest to follow the scripts. I am going to say that. Um, so right. there Those might be simple. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. I, I agree. So some of these things I'm like, just do it that way. Like there's no reason to change this because it works and we know it works. Um, but there are other things where it's, it's like, it's the thinking behind why we're doing it this way, you can take that thinking, you can take that, take that reason and you can apply it in a lot of different ways to your business. Um, so one of the big things we talk about and teach in intensives is the magic hour, right? Magic hour is a process for presenting work to clients such that the way we do it is we present the entire brand in one sitting and we get sign off on the brand. We get sign off on the main messaging we get a logo approved, um, and basically a homepage design approved all within like an hour, an hour and a half. And right. So this is something that takes most people like months to get to and then like get approved and do the revisions. And like the whole thing is done in like an hour and a half. Now, not everybody in our program does it exactly like that, right? Some people still do it in a couple of phases, but they take the philosophy behind the magic hour, which is stop asking clients to make decisions about things they don't understand. I was uh, reminiscing with Steve last night about how we used to Back in the day, we used to make these mood boards, right? We all know what mood boards are. Clients don't know what mood boards are. We would make these mood boards and that would be the first thing we would show a client and they'd be like, uh, yeah, I like it, but is that my brand now? And we'd be like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> You're going to see your brand like five steps forward, right? We're going to have to take this and work it again and we're going to get you to approve colors and then we're going to do a logo. And by the time you see this in a brand, it's going to look so different. Steve in his head like knew what this brand looked like and we were showing them this mood board asking them to approve it. And we were kind of laughing last night. Why are we doing that? Because we didn't want to take responsibility for that brand. We wanted the client to say yes, so that we felt like, okay, good. They said it was okay. Right. And so we were absconding our responsibility to them so that we wouldn't have to be so responsible. But the flip side of that is take responsibility, use a different process to really present this work so that that they see it and they can just say yes on the spot. And so I have just watched people in our program apply that particular concept about going farther and presenting bigger ideas and giving context in so many different ways that have been so interesting that are not necessarily exactly how we do it, but it works all the same because it's always getting the client to yes faster and with few to no revisions because they're not questioning you. Anymore. Yeah, magic hour really works because you're explaining your decisions so that clients can trust them and not second guess them. And not only are you explaining the decisions, you're yeah. aligning them with the strategy that you outlined in the brief. And so if a client wants to disagree with you, they have to disagree with their, like the, the brief and Premise. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can't do it. So um, yes, it works like magic. <laughs> That's why we call it magic hour. Amanda, I guess it's been like a little over two years, right? What does your life look like now in your business? And and what has that given you in terms of your your lifestyle? Oh my goodness. 
I would say I have everything I need and more in my life that I've really ever wanted. I like my relationships are better. I'm kind of a less stressed on the whole. Um, and realizing that my stress really wasn't ever about money. It was to some degree, it was about money. And I, I think living month to month as an entrepreneur is like the, you know, the entrepreneur equivalent of living paycheck to paycheck when you need to always be generating every month to pay your bills. Um, and you kind of get stuck in that cycle. But now things are really, um, like just a higher quality of experience and, and everything in life that comes from having your needs met. I'm able to invest in coaching for myself. I think when I started Nobius Agency Mastery, it felt like such a big investment. And now I invest like twice, two, three times that uh, on a regular basis in my own skills and development. You reminded me of something you said recently that I really, really liked. You said, now when I look at how much money I want to make, I ask myself, how much do I need to spend to make that? That's right. And I think I think that can be a combination of what kind of tools am I going to need? What kind of maybe outsourced help or in-house help am I going to need? And what kind of skills am I going to need to build? And how much is it going to cost me to get those skills faster? Yeah. Right? Because, you know, if we're, if we're not on any sort of time limit, you can learn stuff on your own eventually. Not always, but, <laughs> you know. You can go the long path, but if you want to download that information faster, the fastest way is get it from someone else who's already done it, whether that's a book or listening to podcasts mm -hmm. or joining a program or buying a course or getting coaching, getting that consultant to give you that information quickly. It's like, how fast do you want to get there? I love that. And you know what? I, you know, I, I love to learn too. I think I learn well, but, um, I also said if I can, buy a course for $2,000 or I can pay someone $2,000 to just do this for me. I'm going to pay someone $2,000 to just do it for me because I don't also have all of the time in the world to learn and just accepting that and knowing that. Um, and also really believing that like the specialized support you need uh, is out there has been a mindset shift. Like, like I have someone who helps me with my planning basically. So like when I do my weekly planning, she reviews my plans. I say, these are like the big things looming in my head that I need to deal with this week. And it's like, mm -hmm. and I need to figure out a path forward. She like asks me more questions to define what my path can be forward. And, and we do this all asynchronously. So I don't have to like schedule another call into my calendar or something like that. Um, and like just that I did not, I had no idea that level of support could exist in the world, but the people are out there and you can find almost anything these days. Um, and I feel really grateful to be alive in the world when something like that is possible. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, uh, to me, especially in the beginning years and beginning of years, I would say is the first 10 years at least of your business and businesses never stop growing. So it's not like there's an end date to this, but I would say the first five, 10 years of your business depending on how quickly quick you are to implement, that is the time to just absorb and learn and try and fail and try again as quickly as possible. Because the faster you're willing to try things, okay, this didn't work. Let me, let me bring this knowledge in. Let me download this knowledge from somebody. The faster you're, and more, uh, more energetically you're looking to bring that in, the faster your business is going to get to the place where it's really yours and it has like a form that you can really rely on. And I think that's what I've been watching people 
doing at an accelerated pace uh, in our community in the last year, especially. Um, it's been kind of magical to watch. Amanda, um, last question. Uh, if you had a friend who was considering joining us in the Nobius Agency Mastery Program, what would you tell them? If you're thinking about joining Nobius Agency Mastery, you have to trust yourself, trust the process, and trust the people. And if you can do all of those things and do the work and show up, even when it's uncomfortable, you can get the results. I know because I did all of the things and I got the results. Um, and, you know, my business model doesn't as cleanly align with what Pia teaches. Uh, and I still was really stubborn and finding a way to make it work for me and got the same results. Awesome. I love it. Amanda is at outspokedesign.com if you want to see her amazing work. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all the details of your journey. It is just so cool to watch you soar. It is an honor to have you on our team now and helping us soar too, because you're so intimately involved in, in the process that we've been doing and also helping me up-level this course. So it's even more valuable and gets people results even faster, which is um, priority numero uno this year. So thank you so much for everything. Thank you, Pia. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll be back next week with more no BS tips for your agency so you can find more profit, ease, and freedom. The No BS Agency podcast is produced by Yellow House Media. Coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Creative direction by Sean and Tara McMullen. Our theme music is Knock 'em Down by The Shrugs. 